This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Happy Sabbath, everybody. We thank God for the clear evidences of His Spirit in worship today. We thank God for the worship leaders, those who allow the Spirit of God to use them to create an atmosphere of worship. And I'm sure I've got many witnesses to say that that the Spirit of God is here. Moving in the service and booing our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We come to worship a God who is faithful even when we're not. And for those who've joined us for the first time, welcome. And we want to assure you, those of us who are regular worshipers, that we don't have a lock on the blessings of God. We're not, it's not exclusively ours, but that He has blessings also for you. As we continue in worship with the study of the Word, we'll do so with a topic, with a question, why John? Our focus text is Matthew 11 and verse 11. The new King James Version's rendition of the Scripture says, Surely I say to you, among those born of women, there's not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I read again for emphasis, assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the word of God, and I believe it. In prayer, Father, we thank you for the clear evidences of your presence in the service. And as we continue now with the study of your word, we pray that you will arrest every attention, remove every distraction. You'll go by every aisle and every pew and stop by every heart and every mind. Speak to us and through me, in spite of me, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Surely I say to you among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven 
is greater than he. Neighbor, this statement of Jesus and the narrative surrounding it are recorded by both Matthew and Luke. Luke reports this statement, records this statement in Luke 7 verse 28, and he renders it, for I say to you among those born of women, there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And though I have chosen Matthew's account as the basis for our discourse today, I'd like to encourage you to also read Luke's account. Jesus declares here that among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist. As a child of God, as a Christian, I have come to appreciate that whatever Jesus says is always important. That Jesus never had or will never have these throwaway words. He would never speak flippantly that whatever he, he said, there was some importance to it. And I'm hoping that as we go through our time together, we'll discover not only the meaning of this verse, but also its applications for and to our lives. I'm, hope that we, I'm hoping that we'll address two questions. Number one, why John? And number two, what constitutes, according to Jesus, what constitutes greatness? He says, among those born of women, among those of all the prophets, there is no greater than John the Baptist. Now, neighbor, as I surf through Scripture, I certainly can come up with a list of characters that could fit this, this title, this nomenclature, greater prophet. And quite frankly, John the Baptist would not make my list. But as I study Scripture, I got to understand what Jesus meant by the statement. But why John? Why not Abraham, Jesus? Why not Abraham, the father of the faithful? Why not Abraham who left Mesopotamia with all its creature comforts and urban facilities to a place where he did not knew off, but he went because you were leading him, God. Why not Abraham, who took the son of promise, Isaac, and was prepared to sacrifice him until you stayed his hand and showed him a ram caught in the thicket by the horns? Why not Abraham? No, Jesus said, John. Why not Moses? Say, great military leader and strategist. Why not Moses schooled in the, in the University of Egypt and the University of the Midian wilderness by Jesus? Why not Moses who was next in line to be the next Pharaoh? Why not Moses who led over two million ex-slaves out of the house of bondage to the power of God? Why not Moses who stretched for the rod and the Red Sea opened up and they walked through on dry land? Why not Moses Jesus said, John, 
Have you considered Elijah, that great prophet who encountered the prophets of Baal on the mount of, of Carmel, who called down fire from heaven, that great prophet who raised the son of the widow of Zarephath, that prophet who was transported to heaven amidst aboard a flaming chariot, but Jesus said, no, John. Now, before we go any further, neighbor, it is important to understand how Jesus defines greatness. Jesus defines greatness as a life of devotion to God and unselfish, unselfish service to others. A life of devotion to God and unselfish service to others. You see, for Jesus in the kingdom, watch this, the one who serves is greater than the one being served. The one who serves is greater than the one being served. And I know in 2023, this thought is countercultural. You see, in our culture... It is the one that we roll out the red carpet for who is great. In our culture, it is the one in the VIP lounge who is great. But for Jesus, it's the one who serves who is great. You see, he says here that among those born of women, there is no greater than John. Now, the chapter, what's, what's interesting about this, and, and, and it presents a bit of, a bit of tension, a, a bit of contrast here, because the chapter begins, Pastor Mike, the narrative begins in verse 1 to 6, when, when John the Baptist is in prison, and he sends two of his, two, two of his disciples to ask Jesus in verse 3 of chapter 11 of Matthew, he sends two of the, the disciples to ask Jesus, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Stay with me. Here we find in our focus verse, verse 11, Jesus says, there is no greater than John the Baptist. Yet in verse 3, here is John saying, hey, are you the Messiah or should we look for someone else? Here he was in prison, and Jesus had not come to look for him. Jesus was never on his visitor's list, and now in prison, he is wondering, is this the Messiah? And he sends two of his fellows to go to see Jesus. And when they came and they asked Jesus, Jesus said, hey, fellows, hang out with me for the rest of the day. Just stay with me. And then after Jesus said, now go and tell John what you witnessed today. Go tell him that those who are blind are now seeing the glory of God. Go tell John how the lame are leaping for joy. Go tell John that lepers are being restored to fellowship because they have been cleansed. Go tell John that the deaf are hearing the joyful sound that Jesus saves. Go tell John that the dumb are shouting for joy. Go tell him what you witnessed today. And sometimes I wonder, Brother Keith, if someone should spend a day with me, what would they leave saying? I sometimes wonder if somebody should spend a day at our church, what would be their witness? What would they leave saying? 
What would they have seen? Would they have seen the power of God in my life? Would they have seen the love of God flowing through me as I interact with different situations and different circumstances as I deal with different individuals? Would they leave saying, hey, truly this is a man of God? Or would they leave saying, I don't want him to have nothing that he got? Sometimes I wonder if someone should come along for right along with me, with my life for one day. What would they leave saying? Jesus says, go tell John what you experience. In her seminal book on the life and ministry of Jesus, the Desire of Ages, page 216-216, a prolific Christian writer, Ellen G. White, wrote this. She says, John was troubled to see. Through love for him, his own disciples were cherishing unbelief in regard to Jesus. Had his work for them been fruitless, had he been unfaithful in his mission that he was now cut off from labor, she continues, if the promised deliverer had appeared and John had found true to his calling, would not Jesus now overthrow the oppressor's power and set him free from prison? But she continues, John would not discuss his doubts and anxieties with his companions. He determined to send a message of inquiry to Jesus. He entrusted it to two of his disciples, hoping that an interview with Jesus would confirm their faith and bring assurance to them that Jesus would speak a word directly to him. Listen to me. Here it was that John was doubting, and yet Jesus is affirming him. Stay with me. You see, the problem with some of us is that we, we use a singular event to color the, the, the trajectory of someone's life. Hey, hey, this momentary period of doubt did not erase the fact that John was a faithful servant of Jesus. It's one of the reasons some of us have, have a problem forgiving people when they mess up. Because we, 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 we use that, 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 that situation or that event to color the rest of their life. And not knowing that the Jesus, the God that we serve, can take somebody who has messed up and turn them around and use their life for his glory. So it's on the heels of this. Of John doubting, of John sending his disciples to inquire, are you the one? It's on the heels of this that Jesus gives a rock-solid reference to John the Baptist. Right after his disciples had departed, the disciples of John, that is, had departed, Jesus says in verse 7 of our text, Matthew 11, Jesus says to the crowd, when you went out to his, his wilderness evangelistic series, when you went out there, to see John preaching. Did you expect to see, he says, a reed shaken by the wind? A reed shaking by the wind. In other words, Jesus was saying, when you went out there, did you expect to see a vacillating preacher? One swayed by the winds of public opinion and public polls. Hello? John was a man who was resolute in character, resolute in his purpose, resolute in what God had sent him to do, was not one who was vacillating and, and easily swayed by public opinion and public polls. In verse 8, he says, when he went out, Jesus says, when he went out to the, to the wilderness to see John, did you expect to see a man in fine raiment? 
a preacher who was just in it for personal gain and comfort. Says you went out to see a prophet, but I'm here to tell you that, 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 that he was more than a prophet. And in verse 10, Jesus gives us a key so that we can unlock, unlock and understand what's happening in verse 11. Jesus says, and he uses this quotation, Jesus makes this reference. He says, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Let me cut to the chase and say this. There are three elements. How many? How many? There are three elements that distinguished John the Baptist from all other prophets. Three elements. The moment, the mission, and the message. The moment, the mission, the message. The moment, the mission, and the message. The moment. Notice, Jesus says in verse 10, that the prophet said that, they would, that, 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 that God would send his messenger before his face. The moment John's ministry was right at that point. Right at a point where Jesus came to launch his own ministry. No wonder we say that John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. The moment is clear, no other prophet in the Bible had that distinction or had that moment. In Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, we read, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And this, this passage, neighbor, is not just, is not just for end times, but this prophecy also had a dual application. As we find Jesus in Matthew 17, 10 to 13, calling John the Baptist Elijah. And identifying that that which, that that which John the Baptist would do would be akin to what Elijah would do as referenced in Malachi 4 verses 5 and 6. So it was the moment that was unique to John. Then there was the mission. What was the mission of John? Clearly in verse 10 of Matthew, Jesus says that John the Baptist, this forerunner, would prepare the way. Prepare the way for the Messiah. In ancient times when a dignitary would be vi visiting a city, they would ensure that the roads were, were paved over and, and, and whatever holes or potholes were, were filled in and, and the rough uh, path. Pats and, and patches were, were, were smoothed over so that when the dignitary came that the, the chariot ride would not be bumpy. The person would go and prepare the way, smooth the way. That was the mission of John. And finally, John had a message unique to him. And Paul referenced this in Acts chapter 13 verse 24. Paul says that John preached the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. In other words, John was saying, hey, the fact that Abraham is your father does not guarantee your salvation. As a matter of fact, you can't claim Abraham as your father and reject the Messiah. Those two things are not compatible. 
John had a clear message based on a clear mission came at a particular moment. John was a man who met the moment, a man who was true to the mission, a man who faithfully proclaimed the message given. Here it is. Here it is. All this hollering and hooting and shouting I'm doing, it's simply to tell you this, that I believe even in these days, God has raised up a movement and a people for these last days. For this moment, there has never been a moment like this in earth's history. You and I, dear friends, as I live and breathe and as I speak, you and I, we are living on the borders of the eternal world. You and I, we've got one foot in our present reality and the other foot in the other reality. The fact is that there has never been and there will never be another moment in the life of this world. It is clear as there is a nose between your eyes and your lips that Jesus is coming a second time. This is a special moment and we've been given this moment. No other generation had this moment. And then we've been given a clear mission. The mission is to prepare people for the second coming of Jesus. The mission is to ensure that men and women, boys and girls, everywhere knows clearly that Jesus saves and that he's coming back again. The message is clear. The message clearly articulated, clearly summarized, clearly presented in, in, in Revelation chapter 14, 6 through to 12. The message is clear. However, let us not miss the second part of the text. Jesus says that there is no greater than John the Baptist. And that greatness was based on the fact of the moment, of the mission, and the message. But then Jesus says, don't miss this, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. It is not that Jesus accounts some folks as being least in the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus is saying that for those people who you may think may be least in the kingdom of heaven, that that person or those persons, they are greater than John. Hear me, hear me here today. You see the privileges of the disciples of Jesus was that they could share in the kingdom. The kingdom was a present reality because Jesus was right there. And this was the greater thing. There was nothing greater than that. You see, John was there to not only show them the path, he was there to open the door. But Jesus was the door, and every disciple is able now to come through the door. And that is a greater experience. But hear this. It is possible for you and I to seize the moment, to be on mission, and to share the message, and lose the kingdom. It is great that we seize the moment. 
It is tremendous that we are on mission. It is fabulous that we're sharing the message. But that cannot compare to losing out on the kingdom. And here is what the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder and reminded me this week, Sister Norma, that I can be seizing the moment. I can be on mission for Jesus. I can share the message with the dying world and be lost in hell's fire. Because the fact that you are season the moment the fact that you are on mission the fact that you're sharing the message does not equate to you having a personal relationship with Jesus and there is no substitute for that and I tell you I tell you pastor that that had to resonate with my Adventist brain because my Adventist brain tells me because I'm a Seventh-day Adventist God has blessed me, God has called me my Adventist brain tells me I've got a special message and I may believe that that is what saves me I've heard a joyful sound Jesus saves Jesus saves because friends there is nothing greater than being in the kingdom of God there's no substitute. John had the moment. He seized it. Had a clear mission. He fulfilled it. Had a message and he shared it. But Jesus says the greater thing is being in the kingdom. And I thank God that I'm part of a church and organization. But even so here at Plantation, we want to declare and we want to be, we want to be, we want it to be clear that we're, we're not here just to have church, just to come together and, and have a good time in Jesus. But we understand that there are folks who need Jesus right here in Broward County. There are folks who need Jesus right here in Plantation and that we'll do all that we can to point them to Jesus. Amen. That we've got this moment. God has given us this moment. God has given us a clear, a clear mission. And listen, Adventists, and I make no apologies for it. God has given us a clear message. And, and, and I don't see why we should try to be like everybody else. We should not apologize for being different. We must ensure that we are not indifferent. Come on, say Amen. Not preaching denominationalism. But I do believe that God raised this movement up prophetically. That this movement is not here by happenstance. And God has given us a clear message and a clear mission. And you and I must be about our father's business. But we must ensure that amidst all of that, we stay in touch with Jesus. Because at the end of the day, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. I want to stay in touch with him. I want to be and live life according to his will. Because friends, that's what greatness is about. 
That's what greatness is about. As I close, I share this morning one of my friends, good friends, uh, Patrice, by the way, Beth, sent me some pictures from high school. Sent me some pictures and got me thinking like 40, 40 years ago. And she sent me this picture and I saw this guy and with a boombox posing with this girl. And, and I said to her, Kirk, I know the boombox, but I don't know the guy. <laughs> I remember I had a boombox like that, but I don't know the guy. She said, no, that's you. <laughs> that's you. <laughs> I said, really? And I said in my Jamaican vernacular, Elder Alex, I saw my Marga. I was that skinny. You know, I was that skinny. Yeah. And, and, and she started showing me all these pictures from high school and looking at it. And, and we're coming this morning, Christina and I were saying, you know, it, it got me thinking about, about, about where I've ended up, about the, the trajectory of my life. You see, when I was in high school, I had no thought of becoming anybody's pastor. I was not thinking like that. No, sir. In high school, I, 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 I had an eagle that was larger than Jamaica. <laughs> Long time. Uh, she, she'll tell you. Christine will tell you. When she met me, her friend said, That guy, he's full of himself. That guy. But Steve, when God gets a hold of you, when God gets a hold of you and he turns your life around, when you surrender to him, then God can use you. I still got fellas that I went to high school with still saying Noel is a pastor? <laughs> yeah. Because when Jesus grabs a hold of you listen friends he wants to use you if you'll surrender to him. And today I want to recommit my life to him. How about you? If that's you stand with me to your feet today. The praise team is going to come and they'll do that song and I'll give that word of appeal and benediction but as you're standing as you're standing God has given us this unique moment come to realize that the only time we have really as human beings is the present that's all this is the moment we've got we don't have tomorrow. We don't have... This is the moment that we've got. And God is going to hold me accountable as to how I use this moment. This moment. They're going to be doing this song. and I'll come back. We'll pray. And we'll go home.
sing, make me a servant. Make me a servant, humble and me. Lord, let me lift up. walk your journey with him but he has asked me to ask you will you accept him today will you surrender to him today would like to include you in this prayer just raise your hand or where are you Josh are you nearby give that prayer God bless you God bless you calls for service service saying Lord I want you to use my life my life we must never we must never I don't know what wrote years ago we must never substitute 
or use as a substitute that which we do as an organization for individual responsibility. In other words, there are those who believe, well, the church is doing it as a church's job, it's the elder's job, it's the pastor's job, and they're well organized. I'm fine. No, God, in addition to what we do as, as an organization, God also holds us and gives to us personal responsibility to speak into the life of different individuals. Don't, don't worry about, sometimes we're too concerned about their response. God has not asked us to concern ourselves about response as he provides opportunity just to speak into the life of that person. Whatever God has done. You're going to pray for us, Josh, but whatever God has done. Remember some time ago I prayed and asked the Lord, became one of the prayers, Lord, I want you today to create an opportunity for me to speak into someone's life. Speak into someone's life. And it's interesting how, and sometimes even weird, the way it happens. Uh, Weirdest places. Went to the car wash. There's a guy in the car wash, washing his car. and, And we started talking about cars and taking care of cars then he asked me so what do you do and sometimes I'm a bit nervous about saying that because sometimes saying you know your pastor becomes a social repellent and I said I'm a pastor I said really yes and then he said right there in the car wash would you mind praying for me I lost my best friend last month and I'm still dealing with the pain. And here we were, right there amidst the suds, praying. And God said, remember this morning you asked me to provide you with an opportunity to speak into someone's life. Here it is. The fact is that every day, God presents us with opportunities to speak into someone's life. It may be just for a few seconds. It may be just a sentence. Some of us were thinking, we've got to give them a whole Bible study. Sometimes it may be that you are the catalyst to them making that decision. So will someone pray that prayer with me this week? this week. Will you pray that prayer? Father, I want you to give me opportunity to speak into someone's life. I want you to present an opportunity to speak and be careful when you say that because it may just be the checkout person at Walmart. It may just be the person at the barbershop. It may just be the person in the cubicle next to you that you've ignored or you never thought about. It may be that person. So be careful. God. Press out, God. Press out. Father, we're here with gratitude because we know you are going to show up. We know you are going to move. The answers we are longing for, you will give, Father. And so, as we're 
in that waiting season. Help us to realize how vital it is to praise you, to glorify you, to tell you thank you. Use us, Father, like never before. Help us to put that foot, our foot forward so that we may be used like never before. We are all functioning parts of the body, God. And so, Father, we just ask that you may help us to fulfill our purposes here on this earth. No matter if it's small or big, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's all for you. So from here on out, for the rest of our lives, may your children see you through us. Use us, God. And Father, thank you for this beautiful Sabbath day. This day of rest where we recognize your greatness. Father, you are awesome. And even though you don't have to prove anything to us, you always constantly prove us wrong. (laughs) And so we are grateful for that. Be with us, Father, in your beautiful name. We all say, Amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.